you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 5. <clears throat> if you don't, the scripture is printed in your bulletin on page 6. There's a place to take notes on page 7. But before we look at Luke 5, I want to just kind of introduce us so that we know where we're going and where we've been and, and what we're going to be looking at today and why we're looking at this particular passage in Luke. Um, we're still in the first month of the launch of our new life groups. And these life groups, these are our small groups that meet during the week in homes, and their purpose, the purpose of these life groups is to help you experience all of God in all of your life. Okay, that every part of your life, you be experiencing God. And the weekly themes for our life groups are actually helping us develop what we're calling a spiritual map, like a spiritual life map here at Harbor. Okay, and this life map is our plan for how you can experience the abundant life that Jesus offers, okay? And so we've seen three things so far. Each week of the month, our groups are doing different things. And the first week, we're gonna be studying to deepen your faith. Second week, we wanna talk about how to practice private worship, just you and God, so that you can hear from him and worship him every day. And then third, um, we also wanna practice Sunday worship. And so today, week four, we have another theme, and so the fourth week in our life, we're going to be talking about how to share Jesus' hope with others. Because you know, if we've been given blessings beyond measure from God, if God is really making a difference in our lives, right, if Jesus has given us a strong hope that is changing us from the inside, then we have to regularly share that hope with others. We want other people, people around us, to know Jesus. To at least get the opportunity to see Jesus as he really is, right? Because so many of my own friends, neighbors, um, they've rejected a Jesus that's not the Jesus of the Bible. Like they've never met the real Jesus. And so I want to help them understand who Jesus really is. And it's interesting because in some ways, sharing the hope you have in Jesus is about meaning, right? It's about a meaningful life. Jesus wants your life to have meaning. He wants to have significance and purpose. And there are a number of different ways that Jesus makes life matter. Okay, so there's lots, of, there's lots of ways that that happens. But one of the ways that Jesus makes your life matter is by teaching you how to offer other people hope. Right, if you have people who are stuck, if you have people who are frustrated, if you know if your friends are depressed, Right? Jesus wants to let you teach you how to offer them hope. Hope that the future can be better than the present. That you can experience power. Uh, I, I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday. Um, he sold his house three years ago in San Diego, and he bought a house, paid cash for his house in Palm Springs, because that's what you can do, right, if you buy a house in Palm Springs. And, uh, and over the last three years, he's been working on his health issues. He's had pretty significant, debilitating health issues. He's been working on those. And uh, yesterday, he was back in San Diego. He was visiting, and we were talking. And we were just catching up on how life was going. And it was interesting because he told me that though he was really kind of set financially, he was lonely. He was lonely. Um, and he felt like he needed to actually come back to San Diego because this is where his life was. This is where his community was. And... He wanted his life to matter. And for him, what he said to me was that he's like, without relationships, I feel like my life doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And so I thought about that. 
I'm here to share with them. Like, I, I agree with you. Like, if you don't have relationships, if you can't, I mean, part of what gives me meaning, I told them, and especially why I'm a Christian, is because Jesus has given me a hope that my life does matter. Let me tell you about that. So I shared it with them. Now, in the passage we're going to look at today, we're going to see someone who also pursues meaning by introducing his friends to Jesus. Okay? And so let's look at this together. In Luke chapter 5, verses 27 to 32, put it up here on the screen also. It says, And after this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, Follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at the disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And so this text starts with verse 27. It says, after this, Jesus went out, right? It's that first phrase. So we want to catch the flow as we look at this passage sort of verse by verse. Jesus is busy. He is bringing God's presence and God's power from heaven to earth. That's what Jesus was doing when he was alive uh, on earth. He was bringing God's presence through teaching and healing. So there were people who were being healed of disease and sickness. Uh, Jesus was announcing the good news that God is active in the world, that God is real, and he is healing and renewing the world. And the miracles that Jesus did were like foretastes of what was in store. When God is finished, no one's going to be sick, so Jesus heals the sick. When God is finished, no one is going to be crying, so Jesus is drying tears. And so his miracles are proof that God was at work. And it's interesting because as Jesus is teaching, Jesus is also inviting people to come and to participate in what he's doing. And so imagine, imagine hearing about someone on the streets of San Diego um, who claims to be God. And and that's not a stretch if you've spent time on the streets of San Diego. That part's not a stretch. But... But imagine that this person, is not just that he's announcing that he's God and bringing heaven to earth, but he was doing miracles and healing people, and everyone could see it. Right? We imagine that. And then, imagine that that person that you've heard about comes into your office tomorrow morning and says, hey, I want you to join me. That's what this was like for Levi. That's what's happening here in this text. Verse 27, he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. Boy, it's interesting, right? Tax season is upon us, right? We're doing our taxes. To be a tax collector back then was a lot worse than someone who works for the IRS today, okay? And actually, you can work for the IRS and and really honor God. But back then, tax collectors in Israel, they were extortionists. They were literally extortionists. And worse than that, they weren't just extortionists, but they were traitors against Israel and the people of God. Back then, to be a tax collector, you actually had to buy into a franchise. 
So you had to pay the Roman government for the ability to collect taxes. Okay? So you would pay all this money, the tax, and then Rome would say, this is how much you need to collect for this province based on the numbers that we have. And basically what Rome said to the tax collectors were, this is what you need to give us, but anything else you get is yours. Oh, and by the way, here's, some, here's an army. You can use them if people don't want to pay what you want. And so, really, there was no limit. There was no limit to the kind of extortion and the abuse that tax collectors were guilty of. And so, when everyone else saw Levi at his tax booth, they saw a traitor, they saw a sellout, they saw an abuser of power and people. They saw an oppressor who was working for Rome. And as I thought about that, I thought, you know, how does someone become that? You know, surely there's, you know, little boys, little girls didn't grow up going, hey, when I grow up, I'm gonna be a tax collector. You know, and I'm gonna oppress you and you and you and you, and I'm gonna steal, you know. I mean, that, that's not how it is. Right? How does someone get a job like that? How does someone get to a place where they want a job like that? And as I thought about it, I thought, you know what? It seems like it's usually a gradual compromise that leads to a place like that, isn't it? I mean, usually you don't start out, I'm going to be a tax collector. Usually you start out by thinking, you know what? I know that I'll be happy if I can just have enough money. You know what? I know I'll be happy if I can just get this promotion. And so, you know, I'm going to cut corners a little bit so I can make sure I get ahead. Or I'm going to maybe cheat a little bit here. I mean, it starts out gradual. Right? It starts out gradual, and then it gets kind of worse and worse and worse. And, and so what happens is that when we begin to cut corners, when we begin to take shortcuts, what can happen to our hearts is that our hearts become a little bit calloused. And, and what starts out small begins to grow. And pretty soon, life becomes more and more about me. It's more and more about what I want. And my needs become so important and so much more important that I've got to make sure they get, they get met. And I'll be willing to do more and more stuff to get what I think I need. I was brought to incredible conviction this last weekend um, because someone was sharing a story about how they bought a bunch of stuff at Walmart and by the time they got to their car, they looked at their receipt, and one of the things that they bought wasn't actually on the receipt. And this guy was pushing his two-year-old who was completely in meltdown mode and crying and screaming and needed to get home, um, and he was just sitting there going, oh man, what do I do here? Like, I can leave, it's not a big deal, it's Walmart, I mean, come on, you know? Like, they're not even gonna see this on their books, right? And it was $17.22. And he just thought to himself, you know what? My character is worth more than $17.22. And so he went back in. And he explained to the lady, he was broken. He, was, he had a real hard time trying to like, communicate what had happened. And she was like, why are you doing Like, well, I don't understand what you're doing here. And he said, look, my integrity is worth more because I love God. And I just want to honor him and I want to honor you. And so, and he paid for, he paid for his thing. And so he's telling the story. You know, everyone's like, wow, that's amazing. And they're all super encouraged. And I'm sitting there going, I am a wreck. 
Because for me, my character is not worth $17.22. <laughs> Friends, my character is worth $130. If you have $130, I will sin against my integrity. That's what I did two weeks ago. That's what I did two weeks ago. Because I got a phone. Okay? And my phone fell and the screen broke. And I have insurance. But the insurance doesn't cover when you get when you damage your phone, right? You drop it, it cracks the screen. So I call the insurance company. I have to pay the deductible. The deductible is one hundred and thirty dollars. So I paid that, and I got a new phone. And the phone was sent to me, and I had it, and I was transferring my data over. I was getting ready to send the other one back, and I was sitting up in the office, and the phone like dropped like this far, okay, and it hit the carpet. Didn't laugh, it wasn't loud, but I picked it up. And all of a sudden, like right here in the corner, there's like this hairline thing, okay? And I don't know about you, but this is what happens in my heart. All of a sudden, I'm thinking, wait a second. Did I actually look at the screen on my phone when I first got it? I mean, I think I remember looking over it. I think I remember, um, you know, and, but I don't think I looked very carefully, because I just assumed that it was fine. But surely, surely this crack must have been there, because that was such a short drop. It was such a small thing. And you know what? If I call them and just tell them that, you know what, I got, you know, I got, you guys sent me a phone, I had a crack in it, I'm sure they're just going to send me another one. It's not a big deal. And I just sat there, and I thought, yeah, you know what, that's fine, because... And what am I doing here? Well, basically, I'm saying $130 is what I would have to pay to send it back in to get another one. Okay? <clears throat> and I basically convinced myself it was fine. So I got on the phone. I said, hey, you know what? I got this phone, and it has a crack. So using very careful words, I'm not lying. Right? I got the phone, and it has a crack. If they wanted to ask for more information, I would have shared more information. But they didn't ask for more information. They said, okay, we'll send you another one. It'll be out in the mail tomorrow. Great. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it. And I didn't quite feel right. But I didn't feel wrong enough to actually do something about it. And I've been sitting on that wondering. And what's interesting is that usually when... I do something like that, usually every time I pray, it's brought up. Like, I think about it. I feel like the Lord is saying, Stephen, I love you. You're my son. Um, are you going to act like you didn't do this? Or are we just going to pretend like it didn't happen? Um, or are you going to be honest? That's usually what happens, but that didn't happen. So I'm thinking, okay, well, not a big deal. And then <laughs> this friend tells me this story <laughs> on Friday night. And I'm thinking, Okay, Lord, okay, okay, okay. My integrity is worth more than $130. And so um, here's what's also kind of funny. I mean, and this is just the sense of humor of God. Last Sunday, um, I was getting out of a car, and I dropped my new, my third phone. <laughs> and I can tell you that the crack on it is a lot bigger than that tiny <laughs> It was on phone number two. So, um, so I'm walking around with a cracked phone, and I am delighting now in the fact that every time I look at this, God uses cracked people like me and invites me to confess my sins um, and to get right. 
because my integrity is worth so much more than $130. So just so you know, I can be clear, I am currently not reconciled on this issue because I haven't made the call yet. I'm gonna call tomorrow, the insurance company, I'm gonna tell them and say I need to pay $130 for the phone, the second phone that you sent me. And so I just wanna be clear and be accountable <laughs> so y'all can ask me next week and if I haven't done it, you need to discipline me uh, and then bring people to call me to repentance. So, but I mean, this is what happens. Right? If I didn't catch myself, if I didn't finally come clean, if the Lord didn't kind of speak to me and, and, and bring, then what happens is, like, there's just this part of my heart that doesn't belong to Jesus. There's this decision that I made, and that becomes a beachhead, and it can grow. Okay? And so I feel like, in some ways, yeah, the tax collector was farther down the road than I am or have been, but I think it's the same road. It's the same road. And that helps me understand tax collectors and, and what, what they were going through, maybe why they got to the place that they were. Because, you know, what? oftentimes as, as the church, and even as Christians, like we talk about the grace of God, but the grace of God is great for us, but not for anybody else. And it's like, what's up with that? Like, don't we realize how much, like, we're not, we're not in this thing because God, God didn't choose us because we were better, Right? When we started out, we felt as worse as anybody. And so, so this is, so here's what's amazing about Jesus. You know, is that everybody else sees a traitor, a sellout, an oppressor of power, or oppressor of people, and an abuser of power. Um, but that's not how Jesus saw this man. What Jesus saw was, Jesus saw someone trapped. Jesus saw someone trapped. He saw someone stuck trying to get happiness out of life, but looking in the wrong place. Okay, and so let me share with you some things Jesus didn't say to Levi. What Jesus did not say to Levi the tax collector. How dare you oppress God's people like this? You are awful, and so is your profession. Go to hell. Jesus didn't say these things to Levi. These were not the first words out of Jesus' mouth to the tax collector. Friends, can you understand what that means? Jesus did not say these things. Jesus was not thinking these things. What Jesus says to Levi in verse 27, he says, follow me. He says, follow me. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, he's saying, Levi, let's start over. I want to invite you to come and to begin again. Jesus says, let's do something meaningful together. I think this would have floored him. I mean, I know it floored him. What Jesus is offering Levi is hope. Levi has been watching Rome oppress Israel as a nation for his entire life. And then Jesus shows up. Jesus is doing miracles, saying that God cares about the world and about our lives. And then Jesus comes to him and says, I want you to do this with me. And so... Levi, he leaves everything. 
verse 28, and leaving everything, he rose and followed him. He rose and followed him. And so Jesus is giving Levi hope, and Levi was so moved that he had to share it with his friends. I mean, that's what I want you to see, that Levi was so moved by the hope of Jesus that he had to share it with his friends. And so he throws a party, verse 29. And Levi made Jesus a great feast in his house, and there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. So he throws a party so that his friends can meet Jesus, and he says, man, you've got to meet him. You've got to meet him. God loves people like us, too. And just to make sure we understand how shocking this was, we see Luke tells us what happened next. Verse 30, the Pharisees and their scribes grumble at his disciples. They don't like this. Why are you eating with, and drinking with tax collectors and sinners? Why are you spending time with people like that? Grace, forgiveness, acceptance, make, make, those things make religious people uncomfortable. When people are in it for religion, when people are in it because they feel like they're earning something with God, then when God does something gracious, it makes them really uncomfortable. Because it's not fair. Wait, wait, wait. I work all my life, I'm doing all this stuff, and you're going to eat with that guy? You're going to eat with that gal? And what's amazing is that Jesus' response to them shows us more of who he is. Verses 31 and 32, Jesus answered them. He said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I haven't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And so if you ever wonder like, how Jesus feels about sin, this is such a clear picture. Jesus sees sin as a sickness, and he has come to bring healing. That's what it is about. That's what the gospel is about. And Jesus doesn't come to condemn. Jesus comes to save. <laughs> so, and I'm thinking, if Levi is watching this, he is like doing backflips right now. He is jumping for joy because this would strengthen Levi's hope. Because my guess is that Levi might have thought, oh man, like, I know I'm not worthy, but maybe Jesus doesn't. You know, maybe Jesus just doesn't know who I am and what I've done. And so he's like, hey, let's have a part of Jesus. I want you to meet other folks, right? And, and when he hears, when Jesus hears, when, Matt, when Levi hears Jesus stand up to the religious leaders, right? So they come in, and you've got a picture of Levi's probably crouching down and trying to, like, crawl into a corner, right? Because, oh, no, now they're going to give me away. Maybe Jesus didn't know, but now he does. And then Jesus stands up to them for Levi. Right? Friends, when you are overcome and overwhelmed by how far short you fall, when your sins, when your brokenness, when the things that you've done overwhelm you, just know that Jesus is, is standing and pleading on your behalf before God. Jesus intercedes for you. 
He loves you so much that he's willing to go to bat for you and even confront the people who want to point out your sin. Are you with me? I mean, that's exactly what he does. And so Jesus strengthens Levi's hope. And hope, that's been the theme of our month, right? Started way back the first week in our life groups. It's been about hope, right? This hope that Jesus offers, it's deep, personal affirmation. <coughs> right? Levi knows that Jesus knows exactly who he is and still cares about him, right? This hope strengthens our relationships because now we're strong enough to serve. Levi's deepest need has been met. And so he can now throw a party and invite and serve his friends. And he can serve his friends. I don't, it's like, I don't need to oppress anyone. I can actually serve people because now I don't need to be the extortioner because my needs have been met by God. Right? This hope gives us confidence, humble confidence in the truth. Right? In God's word, Levi could say with confidence, God is not what you think. He is extravagantly gracious. You know, and then this hope makes us want to evangelize. It gives us humble hope toward non-Christians. And so Levi was invited into this. Jesus invited him, come, follow me. Right? He wasn't forced into this, and so Levi invites his friends. Hey, I want you to meet Jesus. Right, and then this hope produces a, a service, a life of service where we care for the needs of our community. And so Levi throws his party, he welcomes his friends, he's providing for their needs. His whole view of being a tax collector gets transformed. But I will look at that here in just a sec, because the sixth thing is that this hope changes the way you think about work. Your work becomes a meaningful part of your mission, okay? Levi left his job, left the tax booth to follow Jesus, but not all of the tax collectors did that, okay? And so let me just give you a couple of examples. In Luke 19.8, Zacchaeus, who was actually a chief tax collector, so this would be not just a, a, a drug dealer, but a guy who is dealing to the dealers, okay? And so Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And so Zacchaeus is committed to redeem his profession. He is going to be the tax collector who gives back, not who extorts. And then Luke 3, 12 and 13, tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, this is John the Baptist, Teacher, what shall we do? And John the Baptist said to them, Collect no more than you are authorized to do. Okay, he didn't tell them to stop being tax collectors. He said to do it as though you were standing in the presence of God. And so we have this hope of Jesus. This hope of Jesus makes work a meaningful part of your mission. <clears throat> I mean, you can imagine what this would have done to have tax collectors like this starting to fill the nation of Israel. People are like, whoa, what are you on? People are like, hey, hey Sally, you gotta go to, the, to my tax collector now. Like, come on, I know it's, I know it's a walk, but come on, he's, he's, not gonna, he, he's not gonna do you like that. Like, he's different. And, and they would say, like, what's gotten into you? Well, I met Jesus, and he's given me a lasting hope that makes me not need to steal. It's powerful. And so, part of Levi's mission now, so what Levi did was he wanted to introduce his friends, 
his colleagues, his co-workers, to Jesus. And he wanted, he wanted to introduce them to Jesus so that they could experience the hope that he experienced. And so I think for us, this is a pretty good picture of what we want to see happen as we follow Jesus together. Okay? And so in our life groups, right, in our life groups, we want to be thinking every month about how can we share the hope that we have? How can we help other people understand the blessings that we've experienced from knowing Jesus? And there's, I mean, really, there's two big ways, I think, that we can do this. I mean, one is you can invite folks to church, right? You can bring them on a Sunday, right? It's, it's a good place for people to come and hear the good news week in and week out to experience what we experience uh, in terms of our relationship with God on Sunday, right? Next Sunday, good Sunday to do that, right? It's Easter. Next Sunday's Easter, so a lot of people would want to come to church if you just asked them. And so that's a good thing to do. Next week, we're actually going to start a series called The God Who Sees. And we're going to talk about how an extravagantly gracious God sees us exactly where we are and then moves to help us find meaning, significance, and hope. Right? So we're going to start that next week. So if you want to invite folks. But second, because there's a lot of folks who just aren't ready to come to church. And we get that. I mean, in fact, a lot of people, the church has done lots to drive people away from church. And so the other thing that we want to do, and we actually want to target this in our life groups, is we want to do what Levi did. If you want to do what Levi did, and as a, basically want to throw a party, invite your friends, and then pray that Jesus shows up. Okay? That's what we want to do in our life groups. Okay, the fourth week of every month in our life groups, we want you as a group to do something together that you can do with the friends and the neighbors that you have, that you know, that you want to introduce to Jesus. Okay? And so, what that's going to look like, really, it's just <clears throat> do something fun together, right? Throw a party, have a potluck, have a game night, right? Um, go out to eat, go to a music venue, go to a movie, have a discussion, right? Do something fun just to build relationships, right? Spend time together. Do something fun and invite your friends. Um, the second thing would be, is an idea to do is just serve the city together, right? How many people do you know that have a heart for meeting needs in the city, right? There are so many folks who don't want Jesus, but they really do want to see the city renewed. And so go do something together as a group. You can serve, generate hope, right, is... Um, it's a ministry for women who are trying to get out of sex trafficking, right? You can volunteer with them. That was started out of Harbor. You can volunteer with them. Um, Connections Housing is an amazing place where, where for transitions, or for homeless folks to really get off the streets and get back into normal living. Like these are places that you can volunteer. The North Park Food Bank, right, is once a month. You can come together and serve food for folks that are the working poor. Um, Dining Out for Life is coming up in April, right, at the end of April. It's a great opportunity to be a blessing to the gay and lesbian community in our city, right? And so do something fun, serve the city together. Uh, do it together and invite your friends. Um, we think that if we can put into our schedules, because I know nobody has time for this stuff, right? So what we want to do is we want to take a slot of your time that you're already using, we want to ask you to invest it in other people. 
want you to spend some time every month as a group and go bless other people or do something fun and share community together. So it's possible, I know a lot of our groups are really, really big, so maybe you're gonna have to break up into smaller versions of your group to do stuff together, that's okay. Um, this week in particular, so for this week, what I want you to do in your life groups is I want you to discuss and to make plans for what you're going to do in April, okay? So just talk about what ideas you have, what things you can do, so that when the fourth week in April comes around, and for some groups, they might do it during that time slot. For other groups, they might actually pick another slot because the evening may not work for whatever reason. Um, I mean, that's all details. But you want to come up with a plan this week to do something in April. Um, and so that's what we're going to do. We're going to put this passage, what Levi did, we're going to put that into practice. That's our goal, the fourth week of every month in our groups. Um, what I think is exciting is that when we come together as community, when we come together and are just together, Jesus is present. Jesus is present. Because the relationships, the friendships that happen, the conversations that take place, where you're, where you're finding out how you're doing, where you're encouraging each other, that stuff matters. The relationships, the conversations, like everyone needs that kind of community. And if you're, just, if you're having a good time and, and, and you're, you're, you're doing it together, um, this is the kind of thing that will draw people in so that we can say, you know what? Like what we have in common is Jesus and the hope that he offers. Um, what I think is amazing is that Levi throws this party, and it's really interesting because verse 29, it says, tax collectors and others were reclining at table with them. This is significant because what this passage does is it begins in Luke a theme. It's a theme of meal scenes where Jesus spends time eating with people that would surprise you. And if you read through the Gospel of Luke, you'll see this over and over and over again, like this meal theme comes up. And as we talked about last week, you know, God has a meal with us. He's treating us like we're his family. That's what he wants us to know. He's saying, like, you have peace with me. I'm here not to condemn you, but to love you, to welcome you into my family. And what I think is interesting is that the last feast that we see in Luke is the Last Supper. And while, while Jesus is with Levi for the next few years, there's a point at which Jesus has to look at Levi and say, I'm going to have to leave you. I'm going to have to leave you. The reason why Jesus can eat and drink and declare peace to tax collectors and sinners is because Jesus came to take the punishment that their sins deserve. So while Jesus would say, Matthew, I want you to start over, in order for Jesus to offer Matthew the opportunity to start over, Jesus has to go back. Jesus has to go back into Matthew's past, or Levi's past, I'm sorry, the same person, different names, same guy. Um, Jesus has to go back into Levi's past and actually take on all of his sin. Jesus takes on every amount of extortion, every time Levi abused, every time Levi oppressed, Jesus said, I'm going to take that on, I'm going to die for that. 
so that you can be forgiven. That's where we see that this amazing, free, extravagant grace of God, it came with a price. And the miracle, the good news is that God himself has taken that place. God has sacrificed himself so that we can be forgiven, so that we can have peace with him. And if you want that peace, seem to trust him. Jesus says to you, he invites all of us. Follow me. Follow me. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for your grace. When we see the kinds of folks you're willing to love, we realize that we are the kind of folks that you're willing to love. And Jesus, it is not comfortable for me to think about what my sin cost you. While I rejoice in forgiveness, it gives me pause to realize that to offer me forgiveness, but that you would take my sin. And I pray, Jesus, that you would help each one of us to understand that. But this amazing good news, this amazing forgiveness and peace with God, it came at a price. But it was one that you joyfully offered. Jesus, thank you. Thank you. I pray that you would look each one of us in the eye right now. You would help us to see the smile on your face and the invitation for us to follow you. Lord, help us to do that. Help us to give you more of our lives. Help us to trust you in more areas that we've been holding back. Because this is who you really are. And there is no better place than to follow you. Jesus, there are folks here who, who aren't walking with you right now. Some claim to be Christians, some don't. Jesus, would you draw them near? Would you show them your sacrifice as it counted for them too? Would you draw them with your love? We pray this in your name. Amen. And now look to me and receive God's benediction. You have seen the face of Jesus broken and poured out for you. You have heard his voice pronounce forgiveness and love. Now go. Go and share his love and hope with others. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.